Amen. What a great uh, testimony of God's faithfulness. And, um, you know, I, I just want to thank Zach and Brittany for uh, being willing to share that. And, and uh, what, a, what a great opportunity. Um, I do want to put your mind at ease this morning. I'm not preaching on tithing. Okay, so um, that's a, you know, sometimes you, the only time if you come once in a while, you might hear it, you know. But uh, this morning, we're going to be actually in Romans chapter 12. And we're going to be talking about uh, being devoted uh, to prayer. And um, I'm going to jump right in here. We've got a long ways to go and a short time to get there. So uh, bear with me. But you know, our focal text this morning is just three words. Three words. Devoted to prayer. Devoted to prayer. And yet those three words raise more guilt than probably any other subject in the Bible. I mean, not many of us could honestly say, yes, being devoted to prayer describes me. You know, I've read how Martin Luther, he was so busy that he devoted four hours every morning to prayer. And, you know, when I, when I hear that, it, it drives me even further under the pile of guilt and inadequacy in my prayer life. I mean, maybe Luther's prayer life was motivated, you know, um, and has motivated some to become more faithful in prayer, but to be honest, it kind of demotivates me uh, because it's so far from where I live, and I know that I'll never come close, and so I muddle along in inadequacy. See, my aim for this message this morning is not to raise your guilt level uh, about prayer because guilt is a very crummy motivator. Rather, I hope that this will be a practical message that will motivate you by God's grace to become devoted to prayer or even constant in prayer as the ESV tells us. See, I, I want our church to be devoted to prayer so that all the glory from any results go straight to him. Amen. So that we don't think we did it on our own. Right. So, that it, the, so that we know that it's not about us. It's about him and what he has done. And, and in our text, Paul is saying the mercies of God. The mercies of God call us to be devoted to prayer. I mean, you think about the mercies of God, you know, and, and, and I, I, you know, it's just amazing how much God's mercy sustains us each and every day. And, you know, you think about that and you think about, you know, uh, being devoted, the, the Greek word there means to adhere to, uh, to persist in, to hold fast to something. And, and, you know, it's often used in reference, and I'm going to get to our passage in just a moment, but it's often used in reference to prayer, this word devoted, in the New Testament. It, it talks a lot about being devoted in prayer. And, and uh, the early church waited for the promised day of Pentecost. Um, you think about that, it says in Acts 1.14, it says this, it says, these all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. Acts 1.14. 
Then later, Luke sums up the activities of the Jerusalem church. In, in Acts 2, 42, he says, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Most of the time in the New Testament, when you see the word prayer and, and, and being, um, you know, enjoined or, or encouraged, it's in that vein of being devoted to prayer. When the apostles sought uh, to find seven faithful men to, to handle the problem of meeting the needs of the widows, in, in Acts 6, 4, it says, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Even Paul in, in um, Ephesians six eighteen, he's talking about prayer and this is what he says. He says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And that word perseverance uh, really translates the noun that's related to the verb, be devoted to. And so all through the New Testament, you have prayer, and it says we need to be devoted to prayer. And, and in Colossians 4.2, Paul writes, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Being devoted to prayer. And although he doesn't use the same word, Paul expresses the same concept in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, where he says, pray without ceasing. Little interesting thing here, the Greek word translated without ceasing, it was used as a medical thing of, of a, a hacking cough. You ever had a cough you couldn't get rid of? Pray without ceasing, and what he's saying is that, ha- that, that cough will not go away. And so when we're praying, we're to pray without ceasing, meaning we will not go away. But that word is also a military term for an assault on another city, on a town. And so when you think about that, they just keep hammering away. And so pray without ceasing means to keep being persistent, keep hammering away, be the one that will not go away. And so the idea is not that we pray every waking minute, but that we keep coming back to prayer again and again and again and again. See, we're relentless in our prayers. So these verses tell us that prayer is not to be a a little segment of our lives, but where (laughs) the extent of our praying is, is beyond just blessing our food or praying over our children as we tuck them into bed at night. It's, not, it, it's much more than that. Rather, prayer is to permeate our entire life. To go through life saturated with prayer. It doesn't mean that we have to spend 24 hours a day on our knees. What it means is we continually go back to God throughout the day. Might be something small, might be something large, but we should pray about anything and everything. And so being devoted to prayer is one of those commands that I'll never be able just to check it off the list. Well, I did that today. I've got that one down. What's next? No, there's always room to grow more devoted in our prayer. And you see, what I'm saying is it has to be intentional. Because what happens most of the time is we get up, we get a cup of coffee, and we get sucked into the day. 
and we don't spend any time with the Lord. And so what we need is to be more intentional about putting aside time in order to pray. See, my prayer is that this message will help us to move in that direction so that we as a church become a praying church, that we're praying about all of these things. Look in Romans chapter 12. I want to begin in verse 9, and I'll read down through verse 12. And this is what Paul writes to the church in Rome. He says this, he says, let love be without hypocrisy. We've already talked about all of this. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Then he says in verse 12, rejoicing in hope, excuse me. Persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. Contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. We're going to focus in on being devoted to prayer. Loving Father, I thank you for this time and I thank you for your word. And I I pray, Father, that as we look into your word, that the truth of your word, that your Holy Spirit gave Paul the right down, Father, that, that this these words would would be true for us, but we would also see them as your truth. And Father, that 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 knowing that that we need to be devoted to prayer. But Father, what a what an amazing gift you have given us in prayer. That we can that we can talk to Almighty God because of the relationship that we have with your son Jesus. Father, your Holy Spirit guides us in that. He, he gifts us in that. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to, to show yourself mighty as we, as we spend just a few moments today talking about prayer. I ask, Father, that you would make it so in each one of our lives by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You know, this morning I want to give you four four uh, grace-oriented motivators uh, for growing in devotion to prayer. You see, legalism and guilt do not motivate me to pray. By legalism, I mean I set up a, a standard, an unbiblical standard uh, that I try to follow so that I can feel good about having met those standards. In other words, it might sound something like this. You know, I prayed for an hour today, <laughs> so therefore... I am spiritual. I mean, sometimes we set up our own standards of what we think we need. And, and, and really, um, legalism does not work for me. It does not motivate me to pray more. All it does is make me feel guilty that I didn't spend the whole hour, that something else came up or whatever. But, but by guilt, I mean that we often feel guilty because of our lack of praying. We know that we should pray more. We know that the Holy Spirit calls us to times of prayer. And we say, okay, I'll do that, I'll do that later. And later never comes. We got busy. We did something else. You know, and, and, and we determined to, maybe we're going to pray through this list or pray for a certain amount of time, thinking that somehow that will ease our guilt. But folks, it is God's grace and mercy in Christ that motivates us to pray. It is his mercy. 
And that's what Paul is writing about here. I mean, the Father is drawing near, you know, prayer is drawing near to the, the, the gracious Father. And, and, you know, if I'm going to be devoted to prayer, I need to consider often the mercies of God. His mercies motivate me to pray. My own legalism, my own guilt do not motivate me to pray. But when I think about the mercies of God, you know, these verses are, are based, that we're reading in this morning, are based on Romans 12, 1 and 2, where he says, you know, therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. So he's building these group of, of verses on this group of verses that is also foundational and built on the first 11 chapters of Romans. See, in those 11 chapters, you know what he does? He talks about the mercies of God. He talks about a lot of things. He says, you know, in Romans 1, he talks about unbelief and the consequences of us not believing God. And then, and then, you know, he talks about how God sent his son to die for our sin and, and God redeemed us in that while we were still in our sin. When we were unlovable, God loved us. When we were in our sin, he grabbed us and he set our feet on the solid rock. We didn't deserve it. We didn't ask for it. He did it because he loves us. And you know, when you see this, the, the mercies, he's made us alive in Christ. We were dead in our sins and trespasses and he raised us to new life in Christ. He delivered us from the bondage that held us. And the fact is, is that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And he says, by the mercies of God, consider this. He spells it out for us. Because of his mercies, we should be motivated to draw near to him in prayer. I mean, as we saw in Romans 8, 32, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? We should pray. We should be drawn to prayer. We should be motivated that since the Father paid the greatest price in order to save us, and since his Son sits at his right hand, the one who died, the one who rose again and ascended into heaven, sits at his right hand. And we also have the Holy Spirit. He helps us by praying with, with groanings and moanings that are, that are too deep for words. When I know that God and Christ and the Holy Spirit are all for me, that motivates me to pray. It's not just me praying. It's God putting it on my heart. It's, the whole, it's, it's Jesus interceding. It's the Holy Spirit quickening my heart. You know, the author of Hebrews, he talks about that too. In Hebrews 4, verse 14 and following, he says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, 
Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Oh, do you need mercy? Do you need grace in your life? I do. But you know what? You find it. You find it at the same place that you found them for salvation, at the throne of grace. Folks, that ought to motivate us to pray. Man, I need mercy. I'm going to pray. I need some grace. I'm going to pray. Because what God has done for us is unfathomable in any kind of existence, in any where, shape, or form. We cannot wrap our mind around the fact that Almighty God, who spoke this world into being, loves us so much that he gave his son for my sin and for your sin. If that doesn't motivate you to talk to him, then I don't know what will. But in reality, it should motivate us to talk to him because he loves us that much. Secondly, I would say this. If I'm going to be devoted in prayer, to prayer, I, I need to begin each day by finding delight in God himself through his word. When we're talking about being devoted to prayer, it's also about being devoted to God and to God's word. Because sometimes we feel like we could take it or leave it. But you know, George Mueller... He taught this frequently from his own experience. He said, the chief business of every day is first of all to seek to be truly at rest and happy in God. His prayer life was rooted in the reading and the meditation of God's word. And and when he was 92, George Mueller, he said that for every page of any other reading that he was sure that he read 10 pages of the Bible. And you know, late in life, during the last 20 years of his life, he read the Bible carefully through four or five times every year. His prayer life was directed by his communion with God through his word. So my, my encouragement to you is don't neglect God's word in your prayer life. Your prayers may become misdirected, but let the Bible direct your prayers in line with God's promises and his purposes. Use the word to find delight in God each and every day. Thirdly, I would say this. If I'm going to be devoted to prayer, I need to think about my absolute need for God to work in my situation. You know, Jesus said in John 15, 5, he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. But the angel told the Virgin Mary, for nothing is impossible with God. (laughs) Apart from him, we can do nothing, but nothing is impossible. Excuse me, everything is possible with him. And so you you, you see that and recognize that. And, you know, in speaking of our our Lord's prayer life, uh, there's an author named Paul Miller. He wrote a book called The Praying Life. And in it, he wrote this. He said, if you know that you, like Jesus, can't do life on your own, then prayer makes 
complete sense. See, prayer is bringing your helplessness to God. Prayer is bringing your helplessness to God. God, I I can't do anything about this situation, but you can. I love that. You know, Miller shares a lot in his book about their struggles, him and his wife's struggles in in raising their children, one of whom was uh, severely autistic. And this is what he says. He says, until we became convinced, we can't change our child's heart. We will not take prayer seriously. Until we become convinced that we can't change our child's heart. We'll take, we will not take prayer seriously. Then he adds, when you see your child's self-will and anger, we need to ask ourselves, how am I self-willed? How am I angry? See, prayer isn't so much that we control our children and have a more comfortable life, but it's to show our deep need to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. I mean, listen, to the extent that you see your need and God's gracious offer to meet your need, you'll be motivated to pray. When you look at your need and you know God has given a gracious offer to meet that need, you'll be motivated to pray. And that's what we need. We need to reach out to God in that way. In order to be devoted to prayer, consider often the mercies of God. Begin by finding delight in Him and in His Word and and think about your absolute need and God's willingness to work in your situation. He loves you. He wants to do things. He wants to work in your situation for His glory. Fourth, I would say this. If I'm going to be devoted to prayer, I need to consider what God can do through my faithful praying. James 5.16 says the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. But you see, in order to be effective, we must come to God as clean vessels. Psalm 66.18 says, if I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. James 4.3 points out the reason that we have unanswered prayer. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. But in Psalm 81, verse 10, which was a favorite promise of George Mueller, it says this, it says, the Lord says, I, the Lord, am your God who brought you from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Sometimes, of course, we won't see the results of our prayer on this side of heaven. But if we are seeking his glory and his furtherance of his kingdom, he can do mighty things through our prayers. I love this. Very quickly, I want to give you just, um, I can't even see my watch. Very quickly, I want to give you just uh, some questions about prayer. And one of them is this, and I'm going to answer these as we go. What conditions must we meet to have our prayers answered? 
And if you're writing, you're going to have to write very quickly. Or you can ask me later, and I'll give them to you, okay? But George Mueller, he, he outlined the following conditions of prayer. He said, number one, we must ask for that which will be for God's glory to give it to us. We must ask for that which it would be God's glory to give us. Secondly, ask independence on the name of the Lord, Jesus. That is, expect it only on the ground of his merits and his worthiness. Sometimes we feel like we can ask for things because we've been good or because we're doing this or because we're doing that. But that's not, that's not what motivates God to answer What motivates him to answer is when we ask according to the merits of Jesus Christ and his worthiness. Thirdly, he said, be separated from all known sin. Be separated from all known sin. Fourth, believe that God is able and willing to give us what we ask him. We have to believe it. We have to believe that he wants to do that in our life. And lastly, he says, continue in prayer, expecting God to answer until the blessing comes. There's an expectation there that God is going to do what you are asking. And listen, if we are to make requests of the Father, we have to make those requests that the Lord Jesus will back. Okay? I mean, we need to make the request that God would say, yes, I need to grant that. And Jesus would say, yes, Father, let's grant this. Because there's times where we ask for things selfishly. We know that. And there's reasons why he should not give that to us. But just think about this. What should our motive or aim be in prayer? See, our motive should always be that God would be glorified. When we're asking him that he would be glorified in that and that his will would be done. I mean, that's huge. That's easy to say, but it's, it's easy for us to let our selfish desires take first place so that we forget about God's glory. We, we cry out in a moment of need and we say, God, heal my marriage. God, help our children to follow you. And if you ask the question, what's behind the question, you say, why? We say things like, so that we'll be a happy family. Okay, but why? The answer should be, so that God will be glorified through our happy family. But we, we, we make the, 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 the means the end. And, and the idea here is we've got to ask according to God's will for him to be glorified if he's going to answer that request. So on what basis can we come to God with our needs? I mean, we come on the basis and the merits of Jesus Christ and through his blood. While we have to be separated from all known sin, we also do not come on the basis of our performance. You know, we don't say something like, well, I've been faithfully uh, reading the Bible and praying and serving the Lord, so now he should answer my prayers. 
Just because the world works that way doesn't mean God works that way. It's totally different with him. I mean, rather, come to the Father through his grace and through the merits of his Son, who is our high priest. Come as his needy child, laying hold of the promise, saying, Lord, you said that that if I would ask, it would be given, that if we seek, we will find, if we knock, it will be open to us. That's praying on the basis of the promises of his words. But we come on the merits of Jesus Christ and him alone. So what should we pray for others and for ourselves? See, often our prayers are very broad and very generic. God bless the pastor. God bless the church. God bless the uh, millionaires. God bless the missionaries. Amen. So broad, so general. And this is where praying the scriptures back to God for others and for yourself can help. Pray that the person that you're praying for, maybe a family member, maybe a pastor, maybe yourself, that you will love God more fervently from the heart. That's a great prayer that you could pray for anyone, that they would have a deeper love for God. Pray that he or she will be filled with and and walk in the Holy Spirit. I mean, we don't just say bless them. We say, Lord, fill them with the Holy Spirit so they can do the things that you've put on their heart to do. Because we know that, God, you are more than able. Be regular in reading and and studying and memorizing God's word. We hide his word in our heart so that we don't sin against him. Grow in Christ-like maturity, developing the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Pray that he or she would not love the world or the things of this world. Pray that he or she would grow in humility and have a servant's heart. So why does God delay, and I'm almost done, why does God delay and deny answers to our prayers at times. Folks, I find this very difficult. It's always difficult. And I struggle with it in that it seems that I get more delays and denials than answers to my prayers. I can only touch on it just for a moment here. But one reason for the delay may be that God wants me to grow closer to him. And as long as the need persists, it keeps me driving me back and drawing near to him through prayer. I think about Zach's testimony this morning. If God took care of the need right away, then they wouldn't have had to press in and they wouldn't have had to trust him more and to listen more carefully and to grow in that. You see, all parents know that if you give your children everything that they ask for the minute they ask, they will not learn patience. When you just make that need available and you just supply the need, they don't learn to be patient. They don't learn self-denial. They don't learn to trust your word. 
And sometimes God waits. Sometimes he delays the answer. Sometimes he denies the answer so that we will press in and, 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 and draw closer to him in those moments. Also, the Lord may want to purge our motives. <laughs> Even as Zach talked about this morning. Because he truly desires his glory above all else. I want to say that's his glory to claim. He spoke this world into being. He gave us everything that we need for life. He gave us eternal life. He is, he is due. He can claim whatever he wants from any one of us. And we, as his creation, are obligated to give it back to him. He made us. He created us. And he loves us. I mean, by waiting, sometimes we learn about our own weaknesses. But we also learn about his strength. We abandon all thought of our own glory and we seek his glory alone. But you know, it takes some time to do that. When we first come to him and we start asking about, about something in prayer and he grants it, we might think that we somehow had something to do with that. And we get puffed up with pride and we think, well, look at what I can do. But when we have to wait, waiting deepens our gratitude when the blessing comes. Because we've been through some stuff. We've, we've been through some pain. We've been through some suffering. We've been agonizing over this circumstance. And we've been praying and pouring our heart out to God. And what happens is the waiting deepens our gratitude when he grants that request. And then all of a sudden we're like, God, you are awesome. There is none like you. Because you are able to do all things above and beyond anything we could ask. I only see things from my limited perspective. But God sees the big picture. And he cares more about my integrity. He cares more about your character he, 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 than he does about our happiness. He's here to help us fit us for heaven. And as I wrap this up, I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. But the question occurred to me, how long? How long should we persevere in praying for a need? You know, Jesus told the parable of a friend who comes asking for bread at midnight in Matthew 11, excuse me, Luke 11. And then he also talks about the, the parable of the unrighteous judge in and, and, and Luke 18. And he teaches us those parables to teach us that we need to persist in prayer. We need to be that hacking cough that will not go away. We need to be that army that besieges the city and goes again and again and again and again and does not give up. Can you imagine an army that attacks a city and, and, and they don't fall right at first and so they back away and they say, well, that didn't work. We need to go do something else. No, you hit them harder. You keep going back. You keep doing it, doing it, doing it. And that's what he's saying with prayer. You keep going back. Keep talking to him. How long? George Mueller said, most frequently we fail in not continuing in prayer until the blessing is obtained 
and in not expecting the blessing. Don't give up. Keep praying and expect that God is going to meet that need. Last question. How do I begin and how do I develop a habit of being devoted to prayer? I want to say very basically, start simply. If you're not praying consistently now, don't aim and start by praying one hour a day. That's not going to happen. Set your alarm 30 minutes earlier. Get up, read a psalm. Read a part of the New Testament, part of the Old Testament. And then turn back what you have read to God in prayer. Begin sending up short prayers throughout the day. Maybe you're driving to work. Maybe you're working on a, a, a car that's not being, you know, compliant. I mean, there's been times where I asked the Lord to help me get a bolt out. Lord, can you break this bolt loose for me? Because I'm not getting anywhere with it. All of a sudden, he says, add heat, Ridge, add heat. Okay, okay, okay. But pray at all times. It might just be one word. It might be help. If, if your child is upset or disobedient, pray before you deal with the child. If your spouse is upset, stop and pray with him or her before you talk about the problem. If you're going into a meeting at work, pray. In any and every situation, pray. Because God is merciful. And what is on your mind and heart is on his mind and heart. We lay hold of his mercies through prayer. And that's why we need to be devoted to prayer. In season, out of season, without ceasing. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. And Father, we recognize that that Jesus came and he gave his life for each one of us. And Father, we're thankful that we have access to you. We don't have to go to a priest. Jesus is our high priest. But Father, you are the one who made a way for each one of us. But I pray, Father, that today you would impress upon us our need to talk to you about the things that are going on in our lives. Father, we deal with lots and lots of stuff every day. But I pray, Father, that your people would pray. Those who are called by your name would pray. Father, that you would have mercy on us as we pray for those needs in our lives. And Father, I pray that it would be for your glory and for your will to be done. But God, we need so much practice at it. We're so, we're, we're, we're not good at it yet. But Father, I pray that you would help us to do that. Father, I pray for the salvation of souls. I know that it is your will that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so I pray today, Father, for the souls of men and women who don't know you, who've never confessed you as their Savior and Lord. 
God, I pray that you would have mercy on their souls. I pray that you would use us to reach them with the truth of your gospel. I pray, Father, that you would do it for your glory. Father, we love you. Guide us as we move towards a time of response. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. In just a moment, our worship team is going to lead us in a couple of songs. And as they do, I just invite you to come. If you've never professed Christ as your Savior and Lord, if you've never said, I'm going to trust him with everything, if you want to do that this morning, I invite you to come. I would love to pray with you about that. Maybe you're here and you want to follow the Lord in baptism. I invite you to come. Maybe you want to be a part of this fellowship here at Memorial. You come. Maybe you just want to come and pray. We have opportunity today, right now, for us just to get before the Lord and pour it out. If that's you this morning, I invite you to come. No judgment. You're pouring your heart out before the Lord. We have not because we ask not. Just step out and come. Would you do that? Would you stand with me?